Hello and welcome to SAE Tomorrow Today. I'm your host, Grayson Brolty. On today's episode, we're absolutely honored to have Michael Placencia, Group Director of New Product Strategy and Managing Director of Rider Ventures at Rider System Incorporated. On today's episode, Mike and I discussed how riders ushering in the future of autonomous trucking through collaborations. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Grayson. Looking forward to this, this conversation. Excited to have you here because Rider plays a vital role in the transportation logistics ecosystem. You're seemingly at the middle of everything, and then you decided in 2020 to launch a venture fund. Why? Yeah, no, great question. You know, I think everybody knows that the transportation logistics sector has just been on fire for, for more than just a couple of years now. And then the amount of investment that's been coming in this space has just been accelerating. You know, billions upon billions of dollars, which which is really exciting, right? I think you're, you know, it leads to new business models, new products, new talent, and so what we're seeing is as that continues to accelerate, you know, those startups that initially raised money are now not really startups anymore. They're real deal partners in the ecosystem, driving immense value to the supply chain. And so when we look at all this disruption happening, you know, we're, we're not standing on the, on the wayside, we're developing our own products and we're trying to be a part of it as well, but we can't do it all, right? And so we recognize for the things we're not doing directly, we need to be a part of it, you know, even if it's indirectly. And so by launching the venture fund, that really gives a deep committed avenue to, to partner with the founders and the companies that are driving this disruption. And so that's the way we look at it, right? The fund is an avenue to dig in deep with the founders that are driving disruption in our space. You're choosing, in my opinion, great founders. And the common denominator, knowing some of the founders that Rider Ventures invest in, they're all focused on building great businesses, but more importantly, great businesses that are profitable. I've noticed that that trend there, and that's a clear example of, of Gaddock. The way that Gotham runs Gaddock is incredible in this day and age. Is that what you saw in Gotham, a, a gentleman and a team that was fully committed to building and commercializing a product? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Gaddock is, is a really exciting and interesting company. You know, on, on one hand, they're a focused autonomous company on, on, a, on a unique segment of the market. And, and we do a lot in autonomy here at Ryder. But, you know, a lot of that's been focused on the highway. And when we first met the Gaddock team, you know, they're talking about this short haul B2B segment. And, and, and what is this? What, what is this middle mile um, you're referring to? And, and as we learned more, it was was exciting about them is they almost identified this emerging segment of the market that wasn't even there. Um, you know, some of the activity they've been doing with Walmart and others supporting these local shutter routes was, was really exciting for us. And, and so when you think about their model, um, it's very analogous to ours. You know, riders got over 10,000 trucks and drivers, but that's predominantly dedicated fleets, you know. And so when we, we looked at the Gaddock model, essentially that's what they were building, right? Dedicated fleets, you know, for this short haul middle mile. And, and it's a really smart economical model. You know, you know, I think, you know, the highway model has been a challenging model for years. It's always going to be here. And it's definitely a, a good market space to go after. But we, we saw the Gaddock team just, you know, really kind of being a, a sole contender uh, for this unique segment. And that's so... That was what was really exciting for us. You know, you had this great team that identified an emerging area and just building incredibly powerful technology, uh, which is going to help that unlock the value in that segment. And looking at unlocking value, Ryder, you unlock value for 
which a lot of your customers, you have thousands of customers across the United States and you unlock value for them. Eventually, as the Gaddock technology matures, they scale and they get bigger. Will you integrate a Gaddock offering into the rider logistics offering? Well, look, I, I think with, with all the startups we invest in, you know, a, a core piece of it is, is how do we have this deep value exchange with each other, right? We're, we're strategic investors, you know, of course, it's venture money and, and, and there's a financial return that'll come from it. But that's not why we're doing it. We're doing it because of the strategic value we're mutually creating. And so arguably, we, we try to do something with everybody we're investing in, right? Or there's some deep learning that can come from it. And so where it started with Gaddick was really on the other side of the business, right? On the maintenance side, right? As they, as they scale out their business, right, as, as a technology company, how do they build fleet management operations throughout the country that as they sign a customer and go to a new market, who's going to maintain those vehicles or who's going to maintain that autonomous hardware? And so that's kind of where the partnership has started. And then we, we see a natural progression, hopefully, on the logistics side as well. I mean, I think, it, you know, the deep partnership just lends itself to it. I mean, look at Deep Value Exchange, another one of your portfolio companies, Baton, which is now a part of the Ryder family. You invested in the Series A and you and you brought them into the Ryder family by acquiring them. Was that the knowledge exchange that you and the Ryder leadership team said, wait a second, there's something here that we can really scale? Yeah, no, I, I think absolutely. It was, it was a great showcase of the value proposition. You know, we advertised when we started Ryder Ventures, um, which is to dig in deep with these founders. And so, you know, working with the Baton team for, for several years now, really got to see a couple things. First is, we saw a really exciting model, very simple model, right? That they were bringing to the market that can solve problems in freight networks today. And then it also, you know, you took a step back, you know, this looked very similar to the way we think autonomous networks are gonna work as well. And, and so that was incredibly exciting to us. And then as they continued to build out their model, they developed great technology to, to manage fleets as part of their offering. And it's like, wow, you know, so here they did it again. Right. And so you've got these really talented team that's built really good products before founding Baton, while at Baton, you know, with incredible grit to pivot their strategy as necessary to market demands. And then so absolutely this this became, you know, for Ryder, something that was very important for us. Right. You know, our goal is to continue to grow our supply chain and transportation business. Um, and part of that strategy is to bring new technology driven products to market. And so with the Baton team, bringing them in-house, we, we see a platform for that. And we see, you know, Nate and Andrew, just, just incredible founders, as well as the rest of the team, to come in and, and take on these chief technology product officer roles and, and really be that platform for us to build new customer-facing products in the supply chain space. It gives Ryder the ability to continue throughout your history of constantly innovating and staying ahead of the crowd. One of the things I like with Baton a lot was their autonomous vehicle transfer stations. You have collaborations with Embark, Too Simple, and Waymo, to name a few. Will you start to integrate those autonomous vehicle transfer stations with your collaboration? Well, when we, we think about, you know, I'd say today with autonomous vehicles, you know, there's a couple areas we're focused on. Um, but transfer stations have been one of the areas we focused on, and we're already doing work there today. Uh, you know, I think with with Too Simple today, we're actually taking a couple of our locations and we're piloting them to act as transfer stations, where they're running autonomous trucks into today, uh, driver in, but but simulating that transfer environment, and helping us understand, you know, what are the requirements for these facilities going to be in a commercialized environment. Um, then on the flip side, with Embark. 
um, who's building out a network of their own transfer stations are actually out there operating them today and have folks on site that are inspecting vehicles and really simulating that environment that an autonomous truck is going to work at one of these transfer points in the future. So, you know, it's a space where we're very excited about that we're playing a role in today. And, and I think as in the future, as we build more products around that, you know, we expect our, our new our, our new uh, our new product development team to be a part of that. For a listener that's sitting here very curious in transfer station, what is a transfer station? A place where the, the truck goes to get cleaned, it gets repaired, it gets refueled. What is a transfer station? Yeah, so we, we think about where most of the autonomous technology companies are heading, right? It's level four autonomy, which is really, uh, and in this case, uh, the autonomous trucks will run along long stretches of the highway and then pull into some transfer hub or transfer station or terminal, you know, off the highway. Um, and where that autonomous truck now will exchange that trailer for a truck with a driver who will make that final delivery. So on one hand, it's it's almost a, a, as a cross dock, right? You can move that load from an autonomous truck to a truck with a driver, do that really hard uh, final mile. But it, it's more than just a transfer. When you, when you think about all the things that a driver does today, how do you now provide that in a driverless environment? And so we think about these transfer stations, right? It's a place where you, know, you have personnel that can do the inspections on that autonomous vehicle. Right. Yes, we expect lots of sensors on vehicles that can hopefully diagnose things on the road and whatnot and how much farther that's going to come over the next couple of years. But but you want somebody ultimately to do that post-trip inspection on an autonomous truck. You want somebody to do that pre-trip on that autonomous truck before it goes back out. So that's one thing that will happen there. Then fueling is another one, right? It's not like an autonomous truck can just pull off into the, the local shell station, you know, and, and kind of get fueled up. So you want to have fueling there. And then what happens if we find something wrong with the truck, right? Let's just say a LIDAR um, got knocked off on transit and it had enough LIDARs to continue the trip. But but how do you do that repair on site, right? The last thing you want is an autonomous truck, you know, stranded, you know, at a transfer station in the middle of West Texas, but the fleet's shop is on the other side of the country. So how do you start to do that maintenance on the vehicle, both just on the regular vehicle as well as the AV components? And so some portion of that we expect to be done on these transfer sites as well, because ultimately, you know, with autonomous trucks, you know, it's really it's a utilization game, right? It's you really want these trucks to be moving as much as possible. And so these transfer points being, you know, the one consistent place they will be operating in and out of, the more services we can do there, the less downtime we can have for those vehicles in other places. To keep the trucks up and running, there's the, the line that you and I both know. If you bought it, a truck brought it. And trucks will play if the railroads go on strike at midnight and Friday, the trucks will play even a more critical role in, in, in moving goods. Will Ryder work with the autonomous trucking companies to develop the proper technicians that understand the maintenance of the nuances of LIDARs and all the things that have to be done in a call a pre-trip inspection so it can get the the rider seal of approval or okay this is this is ready to go yeah absolutely you know we that's and that's why we're getting involved early right we understand there's a lot of unknowns and autonomous vehicles and, and there's a you know there's gonna there's there's a time frame for this to come to market but we recognize we can't we can't wait till the trucks are here and just say let's let's go maintain them we want to be involved today help develop those playbooks, right? And so another one of our, our partners is with Waymo. I mean, that's exactly what we're doing is like, how do we develop those maintenance standards around maintaining these, this autonomous hardware and build out those playbooks and, and hopefully influence, you know, product design, you know, to support, you know, easier maintenance down the future. But, 
And more than anything, it gives us a peek into, well, what kind of technician can maintain these vehicles in the future, right? I think, you know, when we look at autonomous hardware, is it something that, you know, you're just going to replace a part? Um, are you going to fix a part, you know, or, or is it something you can't touch, right? And so I think there's, you know, how, how deep can we get go with this maintain, maintain this autonomous hardware is something we're actively looking to. But, and at the same time, it's really understanding what's, how do you train existing technicians on how do you work around this autonomous hardware, right? Let's just say a truck breaks down on the side of the road, an autonomous truck, right? And maybe you're not fixing the components, but you kind of see this and, you know, what's the first reaction of the technician? Am I going to do something wrong if I touch this, right? So, so how do you kind of develop that competency in existing technicians to understand, like, how do you work around this new technology, even if you're not directly touching it? That's a very valid point. The technician has to trust that the work they're going to do is going to make the truck operate safely and efficiently. They have to have that, that trust and not be afraid. So where does the rider's hands-on learning philosophy come from? I like it. You're sitting there. You have collaborations with a variety of the leading companies. You're rolling your sleeves up to learn. Was that driven from corporate strategy? Where did the desire come from to roll the sleeves up and, and learn? And I'll give you an example of a company and this is based on no inside information, mainly based on filings. Apple potentially could be working on a car, or they could not be working on a car, but we saw the, the updated car play. And then we saw the new Apple Watch and, and um, on the new um, iPhone 14 for crash detection for crashes. Apple's clearly doing something automotive because they're learning all the little nuances and they're rolling their sleeves. Perhaps it's just to enhance the core Apple offerings. Is that a similar philosophy to what you're doing at Ryder, rolling the sleeves up and determining the best path forward once you uncover what's under the, the curtains? Yeah, I, I think there's a degree of that, right? It, it comes back to, to where we started, right? There's an immense amount of disruption happening in our space. And, and one of those areas is next generation vehicles, um, whether that's hydrogen vehicles, electric vehicles, or autonomous vehicles. And we know that's a part of our future. We know it's a part of our customer's future. And we can't Again, we can't just wait until it's here and say, we want to do it. We want to be a leader in that space, right? It's, it's not good for us and it's not good for our customers. And by establishing these partnerships early and really being in the weeds and having the shared vision with these autonomous technology companies, it really puts us in a really good position to be able to communicate to our customers things they should be doing, as well as internally building up the resources and knowledge um, and whatnot to to figure out what are the right products we want to operate in this space. So again, we're not we're not waiting till it's here, and, and and it's not even a competitive thing. It's it's really just you won't be able to do it if you haven't been working towards it all this time, right? You know, what kind of software is going to be needed to utilize autonomous trucks effectively and optimize, you know, how they're rolled out across the network, right? Going back to how do you manage uh, the the supplies for maintenance and the training for technicians, right? You know, the, the lead time for that. How do you build up drayage fleets to handle this final mile capacity in a super optimized way to keep that cost down? You know, how do you help customers understand where their facilities should be located so they could take advantage of some of this autonomous capacity? None of that you can wait. You've got, you've got to get involved now. And so, you know, rolling up the sleeves is exactly what we're doing. And I think so. It's putting us in the best position to really learn and be in a position to offer this in the future. But it's also providing value today. You know, when we think about our autonomous companies and, and just incredible technology companies building something we never would have thought was possible in the past, right? A self-driving truck. And we want them to be focused on that. 
Um, and so how can we help them focus on that? And it's by doing things like being a maintenance partner, right? Helping operate terminals for them, right? Really all those things that's really not their core competency or their focus. How do we provide those services today? Let them focus on the things they need to focus on to really kind of help them get to the commercialization timelines. You're creating value for your collaborators. Then on the other side of the equation, you have riders, customers. What are your customers' thoughts on autonomy? Are they very bullish and calling up, okay, Mike, when can we get this technology? We, we know you're, you're there. What are their thoughts on that? Well, I think there's a lot of curiosity in, in the market, right? I think, you know, over the past couple of years, you're thinking more and more interest in it. Um, and autonomy, but there's still, you know, timelines have shifted, right? So there's a lot of uncertainty um, around regulatory or liability, or even just kind of, you know, again, when they can actually get the vehicles. But, you know, again, that's why we're here and we can give them the latest, let them know we're working on it. But, you know, I'd say overall, you know, I think you're just seeing increased interest, you know, in the market, right? I think over the past just year alone, you're, you're seeing more people kind of come into the fold, you know, with pilot you know, announcing an investment in Kodiak Robotics, right? So here you have a national truck stop chain now working with an autonomous vehicle company. Uber Freight kind of coming out, um, you know, along with, you know, the investment in Aurora, but also partnership with Waymo, right? So now a massive digital freight brokerage kind of trying to really figure out how autonomous vehicles can fit into it. And so I think you're seeing more and more people coming into the ecosystem. You know, I like to say it's going past dipping the toe in and dipping the knee in the water. There's a lot of people i would say they're doing cannibals they're, they're they're going all in i like the strategy of uber freight i like what they're doing and i want to point out for the listeners uber freight's profitable i repeat uber freight's profitable has a one percent profit margin it's profitable not great margins to get up to a, a ch robinson number then then it's really cooking at 11 percent. but they're well on their their path there and mike from your seat you're inter interacting with all these companies on a daily basis how do you see the autonomous trucking industry evolving over the next five years? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting, right? I think, you know, if, if you've ridden in a truck today, it's a pretty powerful experience. And then when, when you think about that and you're like, wow, with these companies being capitalized today and you've got the talent already kind of there, you know, how much farther can they take in the next couple of years? And you, and you really start to see the path to market and, and, and it's incredibly exciting. So. So, so I think it's a bright future. When you look at where the autonomous trucks are today, and you've probably been on some of the ride-alongs, it's a, it's a pretty powerful experience. So taking a step back and you look at, wow, they've, they've got billions of dollars in capital. They've got immense amounts of talents laser focused on this. And with all that in place, how much farther can they take this next technology over the next couple of years? And so you really start to see that light at the end of the tunnel. Wow, they're, they're almost there. Lots of other things have to fall in place. Of course, for this all to happen, but from a technology standpoint, you start to see it. And so I think what you're going to see is over the next couple of years, in parallel to this technology continue to be developed, you know, the rest of the pieces start to fall in place, right? So I think you're going to see a lot more network hub development, right? You know, again, you can't, you can't, ATT can't sell wireless service unless they got network towers everywhere. So you can't sell an autonomous truck unless you've got these transfer hubs, you know, for them to pull it in and out of. And I think you're going to see a lot more carriers get into the fray, right? Um, as folks become more and more confident in this, I think more and more carriers are going to begin be dipping that toe in the water, be running pilots, um, really to help lock themselves in for some of that autonomous capacity when it's available. But, you know, you know, again, the timelines are always shifting and, and that's a bit harder for us to us to define, right? Because ultimately we're not the ones selling the autonomous, you know, technology, but, you know, it's something, you know, we're excited about it and hopefully something we see 
you know, in the back half of this decade. Do you continue to see the trend of intermodal growing and, and more and more intermodal growth? Well, we look at autonomous vehicles as a type of intermodal, right? You know, we just, you know, we just, we look at it as a new mode of transportation that's, that's very similar to how rail paired with trucking. So we, we see autonomous being another option, you know, if not potentially being paired with intermodal. And so we, we have intermodal and then there's the new trend that's emerging is the movements. Everybody's mostly been located in the Southwest and then they went to Texas and now there's a big move towards the Southeast and connecting Arizona to Florida as that eventually becomes connected. What impact will that have on riders business? Will you work with collaborators to jointly develop transfer hubs or, or maintenance hubs? So you kind of make it call it the rider alley from the East coast to West coast rider can take care of everything. You know, I, I think just in general, as a, as a North American focused business, right, we, we try to have the scale across the country, right? And we try to have, you know, we've got over 600 shops across the country, right, from the maintenance side, our logistics operations are all across the country. And so I think a consistent solution for, for carriers and, and our autonomous partners is definitely a value add. But, you know, just, you know, dialing back into something you mentioned was, you know, really this, these networks blowing out. You know, again, that's something that, you know, we stress is crucial. That was one of the epiphanies we had early on is the biggest savings and opportunities with autonomous vehicles is really goes back to that utilization. And so trying to build a model off just one lane is tough, but having a broad network and locations where you can move autonomous trucks in and out of is really what's going to improve the opportunity for to use that truck, right? The cost of a deadhead is significantly less right now, right? You're not burning fuels, you're not burning hours of service, whatnot. And so you're gonna find out with autonomous trucks, there's a lot more stuff you can do with it. And so we get really excited as we see these networks start to expand. And, and I think you're right on with the locations where it's gonna start in the South. And so again, it goes back to, it's, it's not something you can just say, I wanna tap into that today. It's like, it's really an exercise, an engineering exercise. Which of my customers' freight can work into this? And if it doesn't fit in, what do we need to do to make it work, right? What conversations can we start having today? What lane development can we influence by getting involved today? The networks are going to have to be fully optimized. They're going to have to be functioning at full capacity with no downtime, which raises the question, does this all come down to optimization and ensuring maximum uptime? I think so. We, we think that's, the, that's really the hidden, hidden savings opportunity with autonomous trucks is really the ability to to get just a really high utilization out of this vehicle and do things you previously couldn't do with it. Is this one of the reasons why Rider Ventures invested in SmartHop? Yeah, you know, it wasn't directly related to autonomous, but, you know, in general, we think supply chains are going to continue to optimize. And, you know, what we saw in SmartHop, uh, you know, which, which for the listeners is a Series B stage startup that has a dispatch technology for small fleets. And, uh, you know, what got us excited for them is here they were building this technology that can help small fleets choose the right freight to take based on predictive factors, right? So instead of just taking this higher price load from A to B, I'm going to take this lower price one from A to C because I know on Tuesday when I get there, there's really good volume typically going from C to D. Oh, when you get to when you get to point D on Thursday, that's a even better. And so really this predictive, constantly updating optimization routine was really exciting for us, right? And, you know, because with on the large scale freight, it's really hard, right? There's a lot of factors that go into optimizing a whole freight network. And 
their approach was almost starting at the bottom. Start with small fleets, less factors to consider, you know, less less barriers, right? You know, a small fleet can run nonstop, right? They don't have to be home. And so you had this unbounded pool for them to optimize. And so it was important for us really to understand that how far has this technology come? And on the flip side, you know, when you look at our, our dedicated business, it's hundreds of small fleets, right? It's not just one massive fleet, it's hundreds of smaller ones. And so, you know, there's optimization routine opportunities there, you know, maybe above and beyond what we're already doing with our with our hundreds of engineers. So yeah, we were very excited um, with Smart Hop. And they were our first investment, you know, because what better tail for, for disruption and supply chain than, than really optimization. As I said earlier, the funds made some, in my opinion, very strategic, symbolic investments. The fund you launched it two years ago, target 50 million investments over the next five years. We're two years into the fund's life. We've talked about some of the investments that you that you made. How's the capital deployment going? Uh, we, we're, we're very excited by it. I mean, it, it succeeded our goals on every level. You know, we, we've made over 11 investments um, in, the, in the past almost two years. So we've just had incredible deal flow, fantastic receptiveness to the market. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just driven a lot of value. So everything's been kind of in our wheelhouse, you know, all C through Series B's investments. And, you know, most importantly, we're getting that strategic value out of it, right? You know, we, we've had a couple of up rounds, which is nice. That's money on paper. But again, that's not the focus. The focus is really what are we doing with these startups once we cut the check? And with all the startups, you know, there really is that deep engagement, knowledge transfer, and that's really what's going to pay the dividends. And that's what's going to move the needle for Ryder and our customers long term. You're, you're putting all these pieces of, of the pie together. Ryder has a long history of always innovating. What is the future of Ryder and will you always continue to innovate? Grayson, so our vision as a company is to perfect the supply chains that drive our economy. And that that is not a, a one-time thing. That's an ongoing, you know, really vision for the company that we're constantly going to be driving for. Um, and so, you know, again, whether it's investments we're making through Rider Ventures and new technologies or autonomous vehicles or electric vehicles or, or just to continue digitization of the supply chain, right? You know, our responsibility, frankly, is to stay on top of that and lead with it, help influence it to continue to deliver the maximum value for our customer supply chains, right? We're, we're not selling widgets, our customers are. Our job is to enable them to sell those widgets as most effectively as possible. You're, you're the plumbing and the global supply chain. I'll repeat it again. You're the plumbing and the global supply chain. You're allowing your customers to de- deliver value and keep the supply chain full, fully functioning. And Mike, as we look to wrap up this insightful conversation, what would you like our listeners to take away with them today? You know, the past couple of years, there's just been enormous disruption in the supply chain. It's not over, right? It's not too late to get involved. It's not too late to influence it. It's not too late to capture some of that value and create some of that value. So, you know, we're really looking for another exciting couple of years. It's going to be an exciting couple of years. Supply chain is now and vocabulary of, of eight-year-olds, who I never thought I would say that, that an eight-year-old is talking about supply chain. We learned that at Christmas delivery of goods. And from an entrepreneur standpoint, the supply chain is going to become more robust and it's going to become digitized and it's going to run on platforms and that creates an opportunity for an entrepreneur that wants to roll up his sleeves and engineer a great product. And perhaps if he engineers a great product, he gets a call from you, Mike, and says, hello, sir, hello, ma'am. I'm interested in learning about your product because today is tomorrow, tomorrow is today, and the future is Ryder. Mike, thank you so much for coming on SAE Tomorrow Today. Thanks so much for having me, Grayson. 
Thank you for listening to SAE Tomorrow Today. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please kindly rate, review, and let us know what topics you'd like for us to explore next. Be sure to join us next week as we sit down with Robert Gallion, owner of Gallion Energy. With over four decades of engineering and leadership experience in the world of electrification, Bob will share his unique view on the current state of electric vehicles, clean technology, and renewable energy. SAE International makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. The information and opinions are for general information only. SAE International does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast.